This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hey, everybody, it's Scott Pinyard, head coach at This Naked Mind. How you doing? So I'm here, I'm back again for another coaching questions episode of the This Naked Mind podcast. I've got four questions uh, to get to today, so I'm gonna dive right in. Our first question is this. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about staying alcohol-free. I've had several longer periods, 30 and 60 days over the last year. Currently, I'm on day 23, way to go, that's awesome. Um, And I'm not quite there yet, but I'm looking for advice on keeping the reasons for sobriety in mind when stuff comes up. Yesterday was a very stressful day. At the end of the day, I really felt like having a drink would have helped me relax and enjoy the evening. I didn't do it. The evening was okay, and I'm glad I didn't. But I think the longer I go, the more amnesia I get about why drinking isn't right for me. What a fantastic question. So there's a couple of things to touch on in here. I'm going to touch on the amnesia thing first. Um, Drinking amnesia, people call it, uh, you know, forgetting your reasons of why you quit in the first place is very common. And here's why. So, you know, picture yourself, you're having a problem quitting alcohol. You've been trying for years. You've tried all these different methods. You finally find, you know, in this case, Naked Mind, and it works for you, and you're feeling great. And then you've got a couple of days, and then you've got a week, and you start sleeping better and feeling better, and it's amazing, right? And everything in your life seems to be going better because you're not drinking, And this continues for a while, but what happens is this exciting new thing just becomes normal, right? When every day is this amazing, exciting, alcohol-free experience, you begin to expect amazing, exciting, alcohol-free experiences. And then over time, you just adjust to it. Right. And so suddenly, um, you know, your baseline for existence, maybe it was, you know, down low when you were drinking. Now it's up here, but it doesn't feel any different. Right. You begin to feel like, okay, this is normal. Maybe I can handle a drink. Right. Maybe it is okay if I have a couple beers on the weekend. Um, And this amnesia starts because you completely forget how bad and difficult the day to day was when you were drinking all the time. Um, I see this a lot with people that enter into our programs. Um, People will tell me it's like I forgot why I quit in the first place. Um, And inevitably, you know, what happens is is people end up having one or two. um, And, you know, again, this is a story I've heard over and over. People end up having one or two one night and then that's one or two another night and then it's two to three. And then quickly um, it can get back to their previous levels of drinking. I know that was absolutely the case for me, although it took like two nights. Like I, even with a week or two off, um, I would reset that quickly and go back up to my old levels of consumption or maybe even more. Um, so how do you get around it? Right. How do you deal with this amnesia? Very easy way to do that is to track your progress. So as you're getting started, right, when you're in early days of alcohol free, anything less than 30 days, um, keep a journal, Right. Or even better, as you're working up to going alcohol free, keep records of how you're feeling. Right. I ask people to journal with pen and paper sometimes. Sometimes people like to do it with video. I actually film myself all the time on my phone and I'll just pick my phone up and make a make a movie. Um, And I'll be talking about, you know, how I'm feeling that day on a certain topic. Um, But whatever it is that works for you. 
taking and recording your experience, recording your emotions, how you feel, you know, mentally and physically, um, will be a just unbelievably valuable record for you down the road, right? So when this amazing, exciting new alcohol-free life becomes normal, and you start maybe having some of these thoughts, you can look back and you can say, oh no, that's what alcohol does to me, right? That's how it made me feel. Um, it's so useful to have a reminder from your own lips or your own hand, if you're writing it, of what it was that alcohol was doing to you and why you quit in the first place. Now, to the other part of your question, which was actually the question part of your question, um, you know, you want uh, advice on keeping reasons for sobriety in mind uh, when stuff comes up and you stumbled on a couple of beliefs. Um, I would view this as a really good opportunity and we all have these when we first go alcohol free. As you know, if you've gone through this Naked Mind material, you know, we focus a lot on, you know, what are the beliefs we have about this thing we want to change and are those beliefs absolutely true, right? And so this question says, let me just find where it says it. At the end of the day, I really felt like having a drink would have helped me relax and enjoy the evening. So right there are two beliefs that seem to still kind of be stuck for you, that alcohol helps you relax and that alcohol helps you enjoy the evening. It's awesome when this happens because it gives you an opportunity to sit, step back and use the tools that you learn inside Naked Mind programs to say, all right, I need alcohol to relax. Is this true for me, right? Is it true for other people? Where did I learn this belief? And what you can do is you can, you can take this belief out into the light and you can really examine, like, is this actually true or is this not true, right? And if you can do that with these beliefs, the next time you encounter something where that thought might pop up in your head, like, oh man, I'd really be relaxed if I could have a drink right now. You'll, excuse me, you'll catch yourself and you'll say, no, as a matter of fact, uh, it won't relax me, right? And uh, same thing with enjoy the evening, right? I need alcohol to enjoy the evening. Well, let's look at that belief. So if you can take those beliefs and deconstruct them, right, and figure out where you learned them from, um, if, you, if it's been true for you in the past, if it's true for other people in the past, and if this belief is still serving you, you're absolutely going to be able to handle when these thoughts come up again, they're going to pop into your head and then you're going to dismiss them right away. Right, so those are the two techniques I would give you on that one. Keep a journal, go back and look at either conversations you've had or um, videos you've made or anything over your journey so that you can keep that why very, very clear in your mind. Um, and when you need a reminder, they're there for you. Um, and um, use these opportunities like the other night when you were stressed out to uh, and felt like you needed to relax to really examine those beliefs, right? Find alternatives. If relaxation is what I want, what's going to help me feel better? A, a couple of laps around the block or a drink. Um, these are really awesome opportunities to make that change. So I hope that's helpful. Um, and congratulations on the 23 days. That's really fantastic. Um, on to the next question. Uh, so here's the next one. Regarding alcohol as a habit, so I'm trying to understand why some people don't have the addiction and can control their alcohol and not let it control them. In this case, could alcohol be considered habitual for them? So here's the bottom line, and I don't want to dance around this at all. Um, we know that alcohol is addictive to humans, full stop. 
So alcohol is an addictive substance. Now, the rate at which um, and the severity and the depth at which people become addicted is different for all of us. Um, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why that is. I'm not necessarily going to get into all of them now. Um, there isn't a very super clear genetic link where we can say, oh, this is the gene, right? This one is the gene that will make it so you get addicted to alcohol. There's uh, some sort of loose connections there. Um, there's also sort of environmental connections. So this idea that like if you grow up in a household where people drink, not necessarily even, you know, alcoholic level drinking, um, but um, someone who, you know, in your house every time when your parents got home from work, they poured a drink and relaxed, right? There's that sort of behavioral side of it where we link in our minds this idea of coming home and relaxing with having a drink, right? That can influence you. Um, then, of course, there's other things like how much you drink, how often you drink, where you were in your life when you started drinking, like what was going on for you mentally and emotionally. Um, so there's a whole host of factors um, that will contribute to how quickly um, one person or another slides down from being a, you know, quote, an occasional drinker to someone who is developing an alcohol use disorder. One thing I would encourage you to do, actually on our website, we have, um, we have a, a, an article um, that we wrote called Am I an Alcoholic? And in that article, uh, we talk about the alcohol use disorder spectrum. Um, so as a lot of you probably know, um, the term alcoholic is not a medical diagnosable term. Um, it's, doesn't mean anything from a medical standpoint. Um, what the um, Centers for Disease Control and the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and others have sort of moved to is this idea of an alcohol use disorder, which is not a black or white thing, right? It's not a, oh, I'm a, I'm a quote unquote normal drinker today, but then I drink too much and now I'm a quote unquote alcoholic. Um, that it's a spectrum, right? And if you look at that spectrum and if you go and download that, um, that article from our website, you'll be able to see, we have the chart right in there, there's different things. It's basically a point system. Um, and so you look at how many points you have and you see if you have a mild, moderate, or severe alcohol use disorder. Um, and, but if you just look at what those points are, you're going to recognize that there are that most people you know who drink um, are going to be able to hit a few of those points. Um, and so the, the speed at which we get from having no alcohol use disorder to having a severe alcohol use disorder is going to be different for all of us for those factors that I mentioned. Um, but don't get it twisted. Alcohol is an addictive substance. Um, I'm personally convinced um, that given enough time, any sort of drinking pattern can eventually turn into this. Um, now, it doesn't for a lot of people. And there are plenty of people who drink, you know, one or two beers a week for their entire life. Um, and there are going to be other people who have, you know, one night binging when they're 18 that um, end up with a full on severe alcohol use disorder by the time they're 20. Um, it's different environmental factors. But no matter what, at the end of the day, we know alcohol is addictive. Um, and so to answer your question, you know, we... Um it's a bunch of different factors that kind of add together. Um, in terms of, could you consider this habitual drinking? Um, potentially, you know, this is a behavioral thing. So maybe you're one of those people that has a beer every time you go to Fenway um, and that's the only time you drink a beer. Then maybe, right? Maybe that's a behavioral pattern that you've developed. But again, um, a lot of times we use this term like, oh, drinking is a habit because we don't want to say, you know, I have an alcohol use disorder, right? Oh, it's just a habit. I used to say that. You know, I used to come home from work every day and the first thing I would do, say hi to my family, and then I would immediately pour a drink. Um, 
that was a habitual motion, right? That was just something I did every day. And as a matter of fact, I continued that when I quit drinking, instead of pouring scotch, I was pouring seltzer, right? And so that was a habit. And that remains to this day, by the way, like at the end of my day, I go out and I get a glass and I pour myself a seltzer. Um, so it's the behavior itself that's that's habitual, whether or not there's alcohol in the glass, um, that gets us into a different realm. Um, so I hope that answer is helpful and definitely go look at that article. I think it'll give you some perspective um, on what alcohol use disorder really is and why it's going to be different for different people. Uh, all right, on to the next one. Uh, this is a longer one. Here we go. Okay, so I'm finding myself in this cycle that I can't get out of. I've been following this naked mind for a long time. So I used to be a nightly drinker, which I'm not anymore, which feels fantastic. That's awesome. That's progress. Um, but I always almost always mess up on the weekends. Here is what happens. I am terrified of having a reputation of being a heavy drinker. I think my friends see me right now as a fun person who likes to let loose, but I really don't want to keep that reputation. I'm terrified of my kids seeing me drunk. So that being said, I drink discreetly when we have friends over <laughs> or whatever. I only let them see me drinking water or whatever other non-alcoholic drink, but I'll sneak in a mixer in between, which typically leads to me drinking too much. So it's a classic situation of my lower brain controlling things, but my human logical brain not wanting to drink. Like my husband will say, I never saw you drinking, but it seemed like you were. So then I fill him in on what I did. I feel so incredibly horrible about myself and continually question why I just can't do this. I have some events coming up I should, and I should be looking forward to them. My brother's 40th birthday, a trip to New York City with my husband, a trip to Vegas with my best friends. Unfortunately, I'm not excited. I'm terrified of drinking too much. I'm so freaking tired of this dance. Well, uh, let me just say on that, you know, I don't blame you at all. Um, it is, it's terrifying. It's tiring, right? Like think of, you know, the amount of effort you have to put into trying to pace yourself and then losing track of that and then sneaking off for this and sneaking off for that. Um, I completely get it. Now, first all, first off and upfront, I just want to say if your husband noticed that you've been drinking, other pro people probably did too. Um, whether or not they saw that it was actually water in that glass, or if they thought it was straight vodka, it doesn't matter. They're going to notice from your behavior um, that something has kind of shifted for you. Um, so here's where uh, I think that we have a belief that we might be able to deal with, right? Um, you, it sounds to me like there's something with alcohol um, that you think uh, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't be seen drinking it, right? You think that there's something about it um, that isn't any good. Um, that's, I don't know, maybe impolite or you don't want to develop, like you said, this reputation. Um, yet you're still doing that behavior. And I think you did a very good job of explaining there your sort of lower brain, you know, subconscious mind versus conscious mind. Um, so what I would do if I were you is start working on those beliefs. Um, maybe a good place to start is why do you feel that you need to drink uh, in order to be fun, as you said? And I should note, she put fun in quotation marks. Um, what is it, right? I need alcohol to be fun. Is that actually true? Um, do some investigation, right? Do some introspection and see if that's actually the case. Um, I What I see typically with sort of sneaking behavior like this um, is generally there's a few things. Either there's someone uh, in the room or in the situation um, that has either had a conversation with you about drinking too much or um, you just don't want to drink in front of, um, 
or um, some people just like getting away with it, right? They feel like they're getting away with something and they get a little bit of a rush out of that. Um, and so I would look into that as well, right? I would, um, you know, question yourself. Am I doing this just to get away with something, right? What do I think I'm actually getting away with? Um, another thing I would highly recommend, uh, this is going to scare you, but trust me, it could really be worth it. Um, you know, when you have those friends over uh, and when you, uh, you know, when, when you guys are talking, not when anyone else is drinking, but at another time, um, ask them, uh, you know, tell them that you had a couple of drinks the other night. Like, did you notice? Um, get their feedback on how you're behaving. I think you might be surprised. So often we think we're hiding it and we're just not. <laughs> it just, it's so much harder uh, to, to, to do that, do it that way because you're drinking and your perspective is going to start to shift, right? And you're going to go from an alcohol-free brain to an, a brain with alcohol in it. And as that happens, it's, you know, you might think like, oh, what I'm doing is making sense and I've got this, but your perception of the event is going to be skewed because of the alcohol. Um, so having that honest conversation with your friends, um, I think could be really eye-opening for you. And I think you could find some things where you say, okay, it doesn't look like I behave the way I thought I was right? How does this compare to my beliefs? Um, and so you can spend time, you know, then sort of engaging with that and, and working with that. Um, this is a cycle that people absolutely get into. Um, and I think these events that you have coming up, uh, you know, your brother's birthday, the trip to New York and the trip to Vegas are all fantastic opportunities for you to kind of like look at, all right, I'm in this event. What is it about this event that makes me feel I need to drink? Right. I feel like I need a drink because I don't know. I don't like being at birthday parties um, or I don't like uh, I don't know. I, I don't like being social without alcohol. All of these things are going to be pointing to beliefs that you can work on. Um, one thing I would recommend if you've been through the book and been through the material multiple times, um, it may be worth checking out the Naked Mind Intensive. Um, we're selling them uh, right now. The video course is available all the time, um, but you can go and kind of look into that. We go in depth around uh, beliefs and how to kind of pick them apart and unravel them. Um, that might be something that would be really, really helpful for you. Um, but even outside of that, you know, just paying attention to what your mind is telling you. Um, excuse me, why you're, how you're justifying um, drinking, um, I think could be really helpful and very eye-opening. And, you know, you might not like the answers. Most of us don't like the answers uh, when we start digging into these things. Um, but eventually you get to the point where you say, all right, this is what it is. What am I going to do about it? Right. And so I've got two options. I can quit drinking and deal with the underlying problem of me maybe feeling socially awkward or not liking some of the people that are around, um, or I can continue to drink in private. But as you'll find out when you ask your friends, it's most likely that everyone kind of knows what's going on anyway. Um, so those are a couple of different lines to go with that. The last thing I will say, you know, is with these events that are coming up, really spend time paying attention to your thinking. And if you do drink at these events, Drink mindfully, right? Don't drink, you know, hidden off in a corner. Like if you want to have a beer, have a beer and really pay attention. Like, okay, I'm drinking this beer. Is my evening getting better? 
right? Am I getting more quote unquote fun, right? Am I being more engaged? How are other people acting as they continue to drink, right? Really challenge those assumptions around alcohol and see where this takes you. Um, I think you'll be really surprised. Um, so between trying those things out and checking out the intensive, I think, um, you know, you're doing great, you know, in, in kind of like to, to be, to be investigating this and kind of working through it. Um, and it's just going to continue to get better, but these are some of the beliefs that you're going to have to tackle as time goes on. Um, so I hope that's helpful. Always, you know, feel free to reach out to us on, um, on um, the This Naked Mind Facebook group um, and engage with us on that. I'd love to hear a little bit more. You can actually tag me right in there and, and I'll see it. Um, all right, uh, let's see. Last question um, is this. Does the impact of the work diminish with each subsequent attempt? I read This Naked Mind in August of last year, and shortly after that, I did the 30-day challenge. I seemed to experience the mindset shift almost immediately and had no trouble going off the boost. I remained alcohol-free for 63 days, but gradually I drifted back into my old pattern of drinking most nights and then hating myself for it the next day. Dry January was my New Year's resolution to help me get along. I devoured the book again. Although I found it easy to have a month's break, there was definitely cognitive dissonance going on, resulting in a return to my wine nights as soon as February rolled in. I'm not feeling that conviction I experienced when I first encountered this naked mind. Is this normal? So, uh, fantastic question. And, you know, a lot of people, I actually, I will say most people who try to quit drinking do not do it on their first try. Um, a lot of people have, and we try so many different things, right? Before we even try this naked mind, we might try moderating, we might try willpower. Um, we're going to try all of these different methods. And the important thing there is that you keep trying and that's exactly what you're doing. Um, so first I just want to say congratulations for that. Um, a lot of people do end up getting frustrated. Now, in terms of reading the material, making some progress and then, you know, falling back into your old ways. Um, I see that over and over. And as a matter of fact, I went through that. So I quit drinking by reading This Naked Mind. Um, and the first time I read it, I did exactly what Annie tells us not to. And I read the book in a weekend. I came, you know, I finished the book and I found my wife and I was like, guess what? Like, this is amazing. It's over. And I felt convinced, right? Um, the book was so full of positivity. Um, and it made so much sense to me, um, that I just thought I was done in the second I closed the book, I put it down. Now, guess what happened? You know, about a week goes by, um, and I start having thoughts about alcohol again, and then I have a beer. And before I know it, I'm all the way back at my old, uh, my old habits. So, here's what's actually going on. And this is what happened with me and it's what's going on with you. Um, generally, and this is another question of drinking beliefs, right? Generally, when we have these sort of multiple starts and stops, um, what ha what's happening is that we're not examining our beliefs. So I really want you to dig in and think about things like, why is it that I'm drinking? What am I looking for? A great uh, a great tool that I like to give people um, when they're early on in, in going alcohol-free um, is asking themselves the very simple question of what do I need right now? So we have this idea, right, that we need alcohol to feel better, that we need alcohol to um, whatever it is, whatever it is for you, right, to relax, to socialize, any of it. Um, but when we get that pull to drink, uh, we can just ask ourselves, what do I really need? Um, and we'll find um, if you're quiet and you listen for the answer, um, the answer is never actually alcohol. 
because here's what happens over time, right? Over time, we start drinking to fulfill our certain needs. So maybe it was social anxiety when you started drinking. Um, and then you think, oh, hey, well, I had more fun at the party and that's great. But then a little bit while, a little while later, um, you have a stressful day at work. And you go, man, I really need to relax. And you have a drink and you immediately feel relaxed. And so you think to yourself, okay, maybe drinking helps me relax. And then you find another reason. And then you find another reason. And so over time, the tools and tricks that you have for helping yourself out, for fulfilling your needs, get kind of forgotten. And you slowly get tunnel vision to where the only answer to these questions is alcohol. So I'm feeling upset today. I'm going to have a drink. I'm feeling excited today. I'm going to have a drink. I had kind of a normal day. I'm going to have a drink, right? Alcohol becomes the answer to all of our questions. And we just stop asking the question of what do I really need right now? So in your case, right, when you say you went through dry January and had no problem going along on a month, um, when you get to the end of that month, as you start trying to go forward into February, um, or as you went forward, into February and you started feeling those uh, feeling those urges again ask yourself that question what is it that I need right now um, you know it's it's funny a lot of times it comes down to what we call halt which is hungry angry lonely and tired I have a funny story about that I had a client um, who uh, you know drove home past the same liquor store every day um, and he was really struggling um, and he got to a point one day where he just the cravings just kicked in when he left work um, and he uh, he was aware of it and so he asked himself what do I need right now and he pulled into a jack-in-the-box and had a burger and felt great turned out he was hungry right um, but because he wasn't used to um, being aware of those needs the, sometimes those things get confused and so that hunger um, his body misinterpreted it as a reason to drink um, so ask yourself that question and really dig in on that um, and then again this might be another opportunity too if you're having you know luck at the 30-day stuff um, engaging with some of the other naked mind material um, like the intensive or, you know, our 30 day alcohol experiment, it's free, um, at the alcohol experiment.com. Um, that will give you even more tools, um, to kind of investigate some of these beliefs, um, and also tools to kind of get through those trickier times when you get to 30, you know, when you get to 30 days and, um, the new alcohol free life becomes quote unquote normal, um, it'll give you some tools to kind of get through that a little bit better. Um, so I hope that answer helps, um, just keep trying, right? That is the ultimate thing. And if you find other tools, whether it's a This Naked Mind tool or not, um, we want you to be successful. And so if we can do anything to help with that, absolutely don't hesitate to let us know. Um, but the important thing is that you keep taking a run at it. Well, uh, that's it for me this time around. Um, let's see, I just finished those four questions. I will be back next month um, to talk uh, to talk for another four or five coaching questions. Um, in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us at thisnakedmind.com. Um, we've got a ton of resources there, right? We've got the blog, we've got the podcast, um, and of course, we've got Facebook groups. So just go to Facebook and search This Naked Mind. You'll find all types of people there who will talk to you and engage with you. Um, um, around this topic. So until next month, take care. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com and please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.